We've been exploring this idea of breaking through barriers. That's where our focus has been, and it's going to stay with it. Now, I, our particular focus has been working through the book of Acts, and we've sat with Acts 10. Before I even go there, again, because we're now into our fourth sort of piece here connected to uh, the 10th chapter of Acts that has specifically everything to do with the interaction that took place between Peter the Apostle, Simon Peter, and a Roman centurion named Cornelius, who was destined to become the first Gentile believer ever to be brought into the church of Jesus. The first in a long and, in my opinion, inexhaustible, until the end of this world as we know it, there will be people following behind Cornelius coming into the church of Jesus as Gentiles. Having said that, a big part of what I also want to submit to all of you is something that I, as I, you hear me say from time to time. Because breaking barriers has everything to do with... Um, uh, you know, getting into places that God's calling us to gain breakthrough. So is there an area of our life where the Lord wants us to have breakthrough? And again, it may be, it, uh, our primary concern is spiritual breakthrough, but it can also be, there may be emotional components of that, relational components of that. You often hear me use a phrase. The phrase that I often talk about is the breakdown that leads to the breakthrough that leads to the breakout. The breakdown that leads to the breakthrough that leads to the breakout. And I think it totally applies to what we're going to be looking at. One of the things that when, when it comes up, and I, and I realize every now and then I'll, I'll hear back from someone and they'll say, well, what do you exactly mean by breakdown? And uh, it, it's, it, I don't, I don't when, I, when I use the phrase, when we use the phrase breakdown, it's not the idea so much of falling apart. In other words, it's not, I'm not thinking in terms of a nervous breakdown or a meltdown. It can include that, but that's not what I'm really focused on when we use that phrase, breakdown. When we talk about breakdown, we're really talking about the process of coming to a place of openness and surrender in our lives. So the process of coming to a place of openness and surrender in our lives, it's that wrestling, it's the struggle of coming to terms with something that God is trying to do in or through us, a recognition that what has been may no longer be sufficient for um, where God wants us to go. And it's a recognition that we may need to let go, and, and to use the, the simple phrase, let go and let God. There's this idea of letting go, a recognition that he wants to do a new thing. And that breakdown place in our life that can often be precipitated because of tough seasons. Most breakdown, surrendering to the Lord, an op a newfound openness occurs out of challenging places, sometimes painful places. So I get, I get why you know, people sometimes go, what do you mean by breakdown? That's what I mean. I mean these places where we're trying to wrestle through something in life, it, it often opens us up to a new possibility. That breakdown can often lead to a breakthrough. 
a season of breakthrough. And that breakthrough is usually connected to what I might call surrendered places, yes, but it's more than that. It's kind of a, it's kind of a, a, a shift of attitude and perspective. And so it, it leads to a, a season of discovery, of self-discovery, of God-discovery, um, something that, that shifts in us, like sunshine breaking through, a revelation, an understanding um, again, it, it may be a perspective that, that is, is turned in our minds, but the breakdown, the place of surrender that comes often out of the dark places leads to a breakthrough. And we begin to hear the voice of the Lord calling us to move in a direction. When that is responded to, what it can produce is the breakout. And the breakout is, a, is, a, is what I call the, the, a season of sustained growth and expansion where you are on the run. The things that were holding us down, the things that were holding us back, the, the things that we've been feeling trapped by, all of a sudden um, we, we, we have this, this perspective that not only am I seeing something differently, but I'm kind of freed to grow in a way that I haven't been able to grow before. And all of a sudden, I, like I talk about being on the run it's like we're all of a sudden, we bust out of that thing. That thing's been hovering on us, sitting with us, confusing us, beating us down. And then, and then something happens. The breakdown leads to the breakthrough. And when we get it, when we see it, when we honor it, when we embrace it, then that thing opens up sometimes into an extended run in our life of break. A real growth and expansion takes place right there. And, and you'll see that happen. I've had it happen in my life. We're at a season of tremendous difficulty. But over that, as I surrender myself to the Lord, as I learn to, to begin to, to, out of the pain of that, trust him, comes the breakthrough. And that breakthrough shifts the attitude, the perspective, and creates the possibility for a profound season of breakout. And all of a sudden, we're, we're, we're seeing things open up that, that hadn't opened up in years. Stuff in our heart expanding and growing, things being released, things being all of a sudden enlarged in our life. I'm talking about a place of spiritual expansion. Now, the 10th chapter of Acts and what happens with Peter and Cornelius, especially with Peter, is exactly that. As we look at what we're about to look at, and I'm going to reset it, watch how Peter goes from a breakdown to a breakthrough to a breakout. Watch it work. And again, you'll see these three elements beautifully illustrated. But let me reset it. We've been talking about Cornelius and Peter, Acts 10. Now, Cornelius, the Roman centurion, was, remember, they, they both had been given, Peter and Cornelius had both been given visions when they were praying. And Cornelius, this Roman centurion, who was hungry to know more about God, he had been told in his vision to send for a man named Simon Peter who was staying at a home in Joppa, which was about 30 miles south. And I just want to reset it so quick. The map giving us a reminder of what we're talking about. See these places today. The, the, Cornelius the centurion is in Caesarea Maritima. Joppa, 30 miles south. That's where Peter is. In this prayer, this kind of vision that he's given, this kind of... Um, thing that, that he sees with his eyes, he's, he hears the voice, send, send people to go find a man named Simon Peter. He's staying at the house of a, of a tanner, a man who works with dead animal skins, leather goods. And he's staying at a house name, uh, of a man named Simon. And find him, his name is Simon Peter. He'll show you what to do next. So that's what he does. At, we're also told that though, <laughs> um, 
there, that on the, at noon a day later, that Peter the Apostle, and we looked at this, had, and you read about it in Acts 10, had this far more mysterious vision. It was like a, a sheet that was filled with unclean animals coming down from the sky uh, like a UFO, you know, something just really strange. And then he was being told, rise, kill, and eat. And he said no and, and was told that what God called clean, let no one call unclean and, and, you know, don't call it unlawful. And that happened three times to him. And incredibly, at that exact moment, as Peter was musing upon it, three men, the three men who were sent by Cornelius the previous day, arrived. While Peter was thinking and pondering the, about the vision, the spirit informed him with a voice inside of his mind, three men are looking for you, go with them, doubt nothing, I have sent them. So Peter goes downstairs, again, the timing of it was, he's perplexed by what he's just seen, this interaction he's had, as he's thinking about it, the door is knocking, the three men who were sent by Cornelius the previous day, they arrive at that very moment, and again, presently, Peter goes down and meets them, and, and tells them, you know, they tell him why they have come, Peter does not at that moment, understand the vision he was given. He has yet to make the full connection, and, and yet it's clear to him that God is involved. Tomorrow, uh, the strangers were told, uh, we will go to meet this man, Cornelius, because I, I do believe God wants me to talk to him. And that sets up a, a principle for us that I want us to consider especially for those of us who are, the, are, are note takers and like to ponder things throughout the week, let me suggest something, that sometimes we only get bits and pieces of what God is trying to do. And in these moments, and this is what I have found, we are to act on what we know. So sometimes we only feel like we're getting bits and pieces of what God's trying to do in our life. In these moments, we are to act on what we know. Because, you know, a lot of times we say, I want the, before I'm going to do anything radical, I want the whole picture and sometimes God's saying, I'm not giving you the whole picture. I'm just giving you the next step. We have to walk by faith into that, that walk of faith. We want the whole picture. A lot of times we say, Lord, show me how this is going to go. Make me a promise so that I can see it. Then I'll believe it. And a lot of times the Lord will say in his own way to us, I'm not giving you the whole picture. I'm just showing you the next step. You walk that step. And that's what Peter does. Look at verse 21. Now we go to our, you can go in your handout, you can go in your Bible, Bible app. Here we go at verse 21 of Acts 10. It says, Peter went down to the men and he said, there it is. I'm the one you're looking for. And what is the reason for your coming? And they said, well, Cornelius, a centurion, he's an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation. He's got a reputation really quality interaction with, with the Jewish people. He was directed by, it's the only way we can say it, a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear what you have to say. We don't know what it is. He doesn't know what it is. All we know, and he sent us to tell you this, that we were supposed to find you, invite you to come, and that you would come and tell us what God wants him to know. And so in verse 23, he invited them in to be his guests. Now that 23rd verse says more than we realize. 
James Boyce in his commentary on Acts mentioned this point. He says, normally a Jew would have said, well, it's nice to meet you, but we need you to stay out here in the street. You can't come inside. Or he might have said, if you go down the street a little way, I think you'll find an inn where you can stay. But no Orthodox Jew at that time would have invited Gentiles into his house. He would not have sat down at the same table with them. He would not have had fellowship with them. Because it was forbidden in the law of Moses, it was considered unclean and irresponsible. So again, go back to this moment and relook at it through that lens. It's like Peter is talking to them. They say, we've been sent here by God. Peter, they, and Peter says, listen, it's getting late. The night is far spent. Um, please. And it must have shocked Peter to even hear him, hear, hear him say this to Gentiles. But, and, a, and, and a Roman to boot. But why don't you, um, why don't you come in and have a, have a meal and lodge with us for the night and we'll go tomorrow. And I imagine those, everybody knew the customs. Everybody knew the way things were. And I can imagine those three Gentiles standing at the door, hesitating. Well, I, uh, maybe with a nervous glance, are you sure? I, I mean, we, we, we do not want to put you in any awkward position. And um, uh, listen, th this, we've, there's, there's, an, <laughs> there's an inn just down the street. We have, we've, it's not a problem. We can stay there. No, 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 no. There will, there will be no need for that. Right, Simon? <laughs> uh, and you've got to even, even remember this. Simon the Tanner is essentially, culturally speaking, an outcast to his own people. Because of his occupation, he's considered unclean. But that unclean man considered himself far more clean than the three men that were standing at the door because they were Gentiles. And I can imagine him for a moment caught off guard as well. Everybody is hesitating in this moment. Why? Because it didn't happen. Right, Simon? We will be able to make room for them to be able to stay for the night. Is that right? Yes, yes, that's, that's uh, absolutely, we shall do that. Please come in, of course, come in, come in. Probably thinking to himself, my reputation shot anyway, so why not, come on in anyway. Uh, but for him, for Simon the Tanner, it was a big deal. I don't think he, listen to me, you know why it's a big deal? I don't think he ever had a Gentile step into his house for his entire life. I'm not sure. And, and, I, and honestly, I think it was a tense moment for everybody. It was awkward. Everybody, Jews and Gentiles didn't mix that way. Everybody knew that. And so the picture we have here is, think about it. The picture we have here is of an apostle, an outcast believer, and three Gentiles, one of whom's a Roman soldier, sharing a table in the same house. G. Campbell Morgan, uh, the comment, one of my favorite writers said, it was a holy night. And he mused if angels watched in wonder because it was a little miracle.
And it says the next day, look at the following verse. The next day he rose, he went away with them. Some of the other brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. And we know from Acts 11 that Peter had, we know from reading the following chapter that Peter actually had secured six other believing Jewish men to accompany them so that there was, if you just do the math, there was Peter, six men from the community, believing, believing men from the community, the, the party of three that had been sent by Cornelius. There's 10 total making their way to Caesarea Maritima. From Joppa, they're heading north along the Mediterranean coast till they arrive at Caesarea by the sea. Look at the map here. Look at the picture. Look, actually, look at the picture of Caesarea again from today. You can see, get in your mind's eye. They're taking the coastal road they, until they reach the blue. Now, all we have today is a national park now. All we have today are the ruins of that once amazingly beautiful city that was called by some like a, a little Rome on the coast of the Mediterranean built by Herod. But when you look at that, you, re, you rec, think in your mind's eye for a moment with the marble palaces and the wide streets, and there was where the seat of the Roman government sat. No one, no one would have known on that morning, sometime around AD 43-44, that a band of 10 men weaving their way through the streets until they reached the home of Cornelius a commander in the Italian regiment of the army, the Roman army. No one would have recognized the fact that those 10, 10 men were about to have a meeting that would change the world. No one, not even they, could have predicted the movement that was about to begin, the unstoppable movement that was about to begin, a movement, whether you realize it or not, anyone and everyone in this room is connected to. I am and you are. Herod's city, as you just saw, it's in ruins. You can go there today. It's, it's a place to see if you're a tourist and you want, or you just want to Im embed yourself into the experience. You can go there today. But the city's in ruins. It once sparkled. It was an envy of many. The Roman glory, which at the time looked like it would last for the ages, never to be overtaken. It's long past. You read about it in ancient books, in books about ancient history. Huh. But think about this. The church of Jesus is flourishing unabated. An unquenchable flame that stretches. And I'm not just, this is not hyperbole or exaggeration. An unquenchable flame that stretches to every corner of the world and every continent. Do we understand some of the most significant movements of emergence of followers of Jesus are taking place in, in, not in the West, but in places like Africa and in China and in the Asia, Asian world as a whole. We're seeing remarkable things happening in Latin America. I mean, just stunning expansion of the way of Jesus, even into the secret places. Of the, the, of, the, of the most difficult place probably in the entire world to follow Jesus would be the Middle East right now. And even there, there are people who, against all odds, with everything on the table, are willing to, to risk it all to, to be associated with Jesus. 
every kindred, nation, and tongue. But at the time, all there were was a Jewish church of followers of Jesus, a small sect of the larger expression of the Jewish nation. And Peter was about to find out, as he had his moment, think about it, of breakdown, what's going on here, that led him to, we're going to see it, an epiphany, a breakthrough. And that breakthrough is going to open up a breakout that's going to change. We use the, it's an overused phrase, change the world, but it will change the world. Cornelius was expecting them. He called, he was so excited about it. He calls his entire family, his relatives and friends. He calls them together. Look what it says in verse 25 there. Again, Acts 10, 25, right there. You can read it with me. It says, when Peter entered, don't miss that phrase. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and he fell down at his feet and he worshiped him. We see the humility. We see two things there, don't we? The humility and the ignorance of Cornelius are both there. He was one of, if not the most powerful military man in the city, a man of, of reputation. And yet he threw himself, when Peter was, he threw himself at the feet of Simon Peter in front of his family and in front of his friends. He threw himself, the Roman threw himself at the feet of Peter. And Peter said, look what his response, Peter, Peter said, no, 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 my friend. He lifted him up. He said, worship no man. Worship no man. I, I am a man. And he talked with him. And he went in, and, and he, Peter found many people who had been gathered. They were all there. Because remember, he's, remember what Cornelius was told. He will, he will tell you what you are to do. And Cornelius had prepared the way by faith. Faith prepares for something it has not yet received. It's ready when the moment happens. It's already positioned itself. And it says, as he, talked, and he, as, he, as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered, verse 28, and he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is. There, there it is. I'm not exaggerating. Peter says it himself. You know how unlawful it is for a Jew who, to associate with or visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Loved ones, it's important to understand what Peter is not saying. He's not saying there's no such thing as right or wrong, or there's no such thing as, as morality or sin. What he is saying is that no one is beyond the reach of Christ. And what Peter and Cornelius were both about to find out, and both would be stunned by it, was that God was doing an entirely new thing in Christ. For Cornelius... He would hear for the first time the message of Jesus and that that Jesus died for him. The promised Messiah was not just for the Jewish people, but for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And Peter was about to find out that the circle was way bigger than he thought. And the requirement was so different than he thought, right? No circumcision requirement, no need to become, a, become Jewish in order to enter the kingdom of Jesus, just a heart willing to take up his cross and follow. Up until that point, he assumed that if you wanted to become a follower of Jesus, you had to become essentially Jewish as a culture, in your culture. And for the first time, it was going to become clear and apparent to him 
That no, what was actually required was simply a heart that would open itself up to Jesus and be willing to take up its cross as well and follow him. And that's a good reminder for us. And here it is, and I'll put it up there, that there are going to be times when God is going to call us to adjust the way we see things. Expanding or narrowing perceptions and perspectives. Now, some of us, we're going to need to become more gracious people. But others of us may may need to become more committed to biblical truth, even when it's unpopular and goes against the grain of dominant culture. And by the way, that's something we're going to look at in the tightrope talks. It's like, how do I commit myself to following the truth of Jesus in the midst of a culture that is dominated by viewpoints that may go against that? How do I walk that tightrope as a man or a woman and, and learn how to negotiate my way through things? That's real. At a more personal level, if I can take this principle and push it a little bit, some of us are going to find ourselves in a very painful or disappointing place, and we may be in there right now. And it is difficult to see it. Listen, are we in a place that is so hard, difficult, or discouraging that we are having a difficulty seeing it through any other lens? And is it possible that the Lord is trying to get us to see this situation that we find ourselves in, perhaps at this stage in life, or even through decisions we have made, or some that we didn't make, they were thrust upon us. Is it possible that God is calling us to shift the way we view it and see it not from the lens of of what I've lost, but the opportunity that is there for God to expand things that would not have otherwise been possible, that he can take even the disappointing and turn it into something of good. And that that will in turn call us to shift an attitude in the way we see something. Listen to me, Peter saw something in a certain way and God was shifting him to see it in a different way. And there are times when the Lord, when our real issue, the real breakthrough comes, when we, all of a sudden we, we begin to get this, this perspective and the Lord is helping us. He's helping us because we're praying. We're asking him. We're writing our prayers out. We're trusting him. We're talking to him. He's helping us shift our perspective so that we're seeing even the difficulty through a different lens. Otherwise, we become defined by that negativity. And it affects potentially, listen, unaddressed hurt and anger in us and resentment over time can become bitterness. And the Bible says a root of bitterness defiles many. It sends its tentacles out like a corruptive, you know, living organism. And it diminishes and damages and undermines all the good that God wants to do. We cannot allow ourselves as followers of Jesus to be defined by by seasons of disappointment indefinitely. We must choose to allow the Lord and believe his words that all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. We are not a people who can ever live by hopelessness nor concede anything. In all things, God can bring something good, even from the worst. That's what the cross reminds us of, at least in part. And the last thing I'll say is notice the power of entering Notice it, the power of entering with an open heart. What am I talking about? 
That 25th verse, you see the front of it? And Peter entered the house. It, 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 to enter the house of a, of a Gentile. Okay, this was no small thing for Peter. We read it and we go, what's the big deal? He entered the house of, this was huge. It, 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 it pushed against his sense of propriety and his cultural comfort level was being stretched. There was no question it was stretching him to cross the threshold into the house of a Gentile. That, please come in, that crossing of the threshold meant something. Think about it for a moment. Because it, it, if you look at it, you, you get, you get, now all of a sudden you get. Rise, slay, eat. No, no, Lord, I don't do that. Don't call anything that I call clean, unclean. Rise, slay, eat. Now he under, this is it. That is it. That is it. I'm in. Nothing is beyond the reach of Jesus. You see it. Do, you under, do we understand now what God was? That was it. This is it. I am entering in to the house of a man who not only would I have wanted nothing to do with, but I actually despise him because he represents the very thing that my people hate, an oppressor at the highest level. But God said, let no... Do not call what I call clean, unclean. Rise, lay and eat. Power, it's powerful. And there are times, if I can put it this way, when I look at it and I go, wow, there are times when the Lord is going to want us to enter into something. To engage in a relationship, maybe. Could be at work. I know I'm talking about that a lot. Could be a conversation or an act of kindness or a peacemaking in an environment where the easy play would be to join with the criticism and the gossip. But we don't make that play. We shift it, we enter in in a different way. Sometimes it has to do with things that uh, are at a relational level in our lives. Uh, God may speak to us, and I, it's, it's hard to hear it, but He may speak to us to forgive. And maybe even turn the other cheek, and possibly even walk the extra mile. What? I don't want to do that. Peter, enter into the house. Maybe he wants us to give somebody another chance. Let them out of jail. The relational jail. Blessed are the merciful, we shall obtain mercy. Um, so here's the final question I would like to pose. Is there a place, is there a place that the Lord is asking us to enter in? And, and if I may just say one more thing about that while that's up there. It may not just be a relational issue, it may be a responsibility issue. Just keep that up and let me say this. For some of us, God may be saying, it's time for you to step into the gap. The time for playing it safe or letting others do it, that's over. I need you to step across the threshold. 
I need you to enter in. I need you to fill the space. I need you to host that group. I need you to step up and be willing to be a collaborator and bring people together. I need you to speak on my behalf. I need you to mix this thing up in a way that's gonna stretch you and push you and expand you, but I need you to do it. Is the Lord asking us into, to enter into a place that scares us? It scares us, but we know in our heart, we know it, it's what he wants. And what would it look like to trust the Lord and step across the threshold? In these places, we will be afraid, and for a good reason. But we know that God is asking us to be courageous, and to be, if I can say it this way, to be valiant with our love. To be brave people in a complex time with many dangers, toils, and snares in every direction. And as Paul said, battles within and battles without. Yet one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind me and I reach forward to the things which are ahead. I press on in Christ Jesus. I lay hold of his promises for my life. Relational, personal, wherever it is, I, whatever the Lord is saying, let us be responsive to that. Pray with me, if you will, before we have our quick time of giving. And Lord, I just ask that you would, you would take this word that we've just shared and send it where you want it to go. It's an, like an arrow shot. You know what we need to hear. You know where we need to hear it most. And um, Lord, just help us to be open to your spirit's promptings and to be responsive. And if there is an area in our life where you are also calling us to, to walk across the threshold and enter in, and we've been reluctant, we have. I ask for great courage and I ask for wisdom and I ask that you would help us. Help us, Holy Spirit, just like you worked with with Peter, you were working, you worked with him, you worked with him, he didn't just get there, you worked with him, work with us too, Lord. I pray that prayer. I pray the blessing and the goodness of God over all of us together in his name, in Jesus' name, amen, God.